Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers. I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Anderson, here with my co-host Pete Wall and producer Jack Mills. Hello, gentlemen. How are we this week? We've been in the wars, haven't we, Pete? I think, but certainly me and you have. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not been great on that front. Last week, I, I said on this show that I was sort of half broken from going to see uh, Machine Head and being at the front of a sort of thousand people strong crowd. Um, it turns out I've actually broken a rib. So that's why it was quite so like bothersome in the last few days. Um, I've done I've broken ribs before, but the, the problem with it is there's nothing you can do. The doctor's no. advice is, is rest and maybe take painkillers. So I followed that advice. And just before we started recording, I've dosed up on codeine. So if I drift off during this show, it's nothing personal. Oh, okay. So what, what? So normally it is personal when you drift off, but just yeah. this week it's the COVID. Oh, yeah. No, fair normally enough, fair it's enough. pointed criticism. Uh, uh, and so, and you've, you've also been plugging away at work, haven't you, Paul? Oh, plugging oh, away. Yeah. I think you've done that. I didn't even do it at work, actually. So getting ready for work. I, um, You know when you, everyone's done it, you stand on like a standard three-pin plug, and it's quite painful, right? I think everyone's done that. It's terrible. It broke the skin, Pete. It oh. broke the skin. Like, there was blood. It's a mess. My foot's very sore. So I've had better weeks, I'll be honest. But the good thing is, though, Pete, is that obviously in terms of your injury, we're going to Primavera Sound next week. So I'm sure the doctor says go to a whole week of gigs. Yeah. Now, it would definitely be good for your ribs, well, certainly. Well, I actually asked the doctor, I told him about that, and I said, uh, yeah, so I actually go to an MMA gym. Is it all right to do MMA? And he just looked like he hated me for even <laughs> daring to ask that question. He's like... You're fated never to do MMA, I don't think. You literally have one session injure yourself and have to drop out again. So. I've, done, I've done six sessions, I'll have you know. Oh, six okay. sessions in total. But uh, yeah, not for a while, it seems like. Now... No. Um, some news from this week. I don't know if you brought anything to the foyer, Paul, but like we usually do the section where we talk about something that's been going on recently. Have you got anything in particular, any, either of you guys, Jack or Paul, that you want to talk about this week, or do we want to get right into it? Uh, there's something I want to bring up, actually. Uh, I read something somewhere online. Gaspar Noé, uh, we were talking about walkouts last week of, of Cannes films, and I think only something like only six people walked out of Gaspar Noé's latest effort, which is Climax, isn't it? Is that what that's it's called? Right, yeah. Uh, only, I think only six people walked out and he commented that he was disappointed because normally 25% of the audience leave. So, um, yeah, Climax has been getting some incredible reviews despite it being controversial. And according to Gaspar Noé, not enough people are walking out. So if you do go and sit at the cinema, do Gaspar Noé a favour and walk out about halfway through and then let him know because I'm sure it'll make him very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, well, well I, suppose, um, I suppose Gaspar Noé's movie Climax uh, turns out that everybody got to finish. Right, so uh, in, in other news this week, um, Arsenal. Let's talk about Arsenal on our, po- on our podcast about films. No, all I want to say is <laughs> Arsenal have just announced that they've appointed a new manager after having Arsene Wenger at the helm for 22 years. I care about this because I'm a big fan from, from sort of near birth. However, the reason I bring it up is not just to rile Paul right up, but... You can see my face as well, apparently. It's is, like, is to say... What is this? <laughs> The appointment of uh, of the replacement to uh, Arsene Wenger was a bit of a bait and switch where the club thought they were getting one person and then another person was announced at the sort of uh, 11th hour. Now, a little bit like that, what you thought tuning into this show uh, was that you were going to get like a usual format played out in the normal way. In fact, we're going to switch it up on you a little bit as well because what we want to do this week is a summer preview where we have the chance to look ahead as a threesome to the stuff that we're most looking forward to seeing in basically the next three months. So like 
June, July and August, uh, leaving out the releases that come out in the next sort of week or two, uh, looking at June, July and August, we've got a preview that is going to be a little bit um, loose, rough around the edges, I would imagine, but will allow each of us, that's Jack, Paul and I, to count down five of our most anticipated summer films. Are we both, or are we all, I should say, feeling appropriately amped for this assignment, you guys? Uh, yes, I mean my preparation has been. Uh, I think you made my list, Pete, which was quite good of you to be fair, uh, because I finished work very late today, unfortunately. So, uh, and Pete's list, I will let you know, listeners, is actually pretty spot on. So I think the uh, and the, the ninety odd episode, the now ninety plus episodes we've spent together, uh, it appears we've learned something about each. Well, certainly he's learned something about my film taste. So uh, yes. Um, so yeah, some of my list is from Pete, um, others is from Jack, but I'm very apt and I'm genuinely excited about these movies, so yes. Yeah, apart from that bit of like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, what would you call that, like, not telekinesis, what's it called when you're sort of mentally connected with each other? That that connectivity, apart from that, I for one don't know what's on Jack's list, for example, so I'm looking forward to like having a bit of, a, you know, an element of surprise in this thing as well, but um. Has anyone got anything else to say in the foyer, or should we just bounce out of here and start doing this countdown that we? Keep I think we should bounce know? straight into the previews. To be honest. Bang! All right, Jack, should we put in a little stinger and come back after that? Yeah, I think so. All right, we'll be right back with our countdown of the most anticipated films of the summer of 2018. And back we are. So yeah, just before we start this, it just it's interesting that I think we may have noticed this last year is that. By now, I would say in the last sort of couple of years, blockbuster season has started earlier and earlier and earlier. And now I'd say probably quite a lot of the year's major releases are already uh, behind us, I would say. So it's quite nice, really, I think, to, to take this time sort of mid-blockbuster season and then sort of reassess what's coming out to maybe give attention to things that you forget about because we've had such box office mammoths such as the little-known Avengers Infinity War, uh, Deadpool 2, uh, Solo's Out Tomorrow... Um, so we've had some massive hitters already. So yeah, it's quite nice to um, yeah, quite nice to bring this this back into back into focus, really. So yeah, yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right, Paul. And the, and the point is, you know, we're going to be talking about these movies over the course of the next three months and beyond anyway so we might as well throw some of that out into the world for other people to chew on because you know this is the time where we can really start gearing up for not only sort of as you're mentioning uh, what we've just recently had a couple of sort of tentpole type blockbuster movies there'll be plenty of those over the next few months but I think maybe the countdown will give us a chance to look at a few lesser known or slightly smaller movies as well from some some corners of the world so um without any further ado let's jump into it who wants to be so brash and bold as to go first you guys let's let jack go first he never okay, goes first okay. yeah, jack, jack you're that's... you're an outspoken character yeah. get on the mic <laughs> if, if you could see his little face right now listeners you know he, oh, he's stoked so he's literally cool. stoked I, I... and i know what the little prick's gonna do he's gonna come up with jurassic world fallen kingdom i know he's gonna do in it in all me. five but... positions yeah, yeah. so uh without further ado my first uh summer release that i'm looking forward to is jurassic park and the fallen kingdom Uh, this film comes out on june the 6th so it's not that far away um just a little bit of information if you don't already know uh basically the island has a volcano and it's going to erupt so chris pratt and what's her name bryce dallas howard are going to go back to the island and rescue all the dinosaurs you know, a, a thing that struck me, lads, when I um, kept trying to shoehorn in my joke about uh, J.A. Bayona and the impossible. Which is joke's that, that, Pete? 
<laughs> well, you know, you know what, Paul? Uh, Jurassic World is it, probably going to be fine because J.A. Bayona has already he's already done the impossible, hasn't he? But um, the, the thing is, did you notice, you guys, when you watched the what I believe is the latest trailer for the movie, the one that probably got Paul's ire up the most, um, <laughs> it has an incredible sense of similarity to the movie The Impossible, and particularly the way in which that movie was trailed. Because what you've got in this new Jurassic World trailer is this flood of dinosaurs sort of running towards the camera, right? And you've got those pods that you had in the first Jurassic World movie, and then you have a bit where they sort of are all thrown off a cliff and plunge into water and it just the film that it most reminded me of was the same director's other movie or recent other movie so it was just a just a thing that I couldn't help but notice when I saw that um Jack you know I suppose we've got to address the the sort of elephant in the room here or maybe not such an elephant in the room because we talk about it almost every week uh, Paul is very much not excited about this movie no. I'm kind of in the middle and I think you're well, obviously, if well, you put it on your because, list, you're anticipating it. So, like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, how can you convince the, the doubters, the naysayers, the pulls of the world why this is worth shelling out your 10 quid slash flashing your unlimited sort of card for? Well, realistically, I only put it in just to uh, annoy Paul. But, um, however, <laughs> I think it's because Ian Malcolm's coming back, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character from the original film. He'll be in it for five minutes. He probably will be in it for five minutes. But I, that's, I'm anticipating that's going to be a good five minutes. Yeah, exactly. You can have an incredible um, amount of pleasure in five minutes. Just ask Gaspar, no, eh, Paul? He can have so much pleasure in five minutes. And to be just honest, before uh, I did, go, go, go ahead. Sorry. I did, uh, we was in the pub yesterday and uh, there was a man that looked exactly like John Hammond in the pub with us and uh, it, it amused me greatly. I took a photo. If I was, if I'm feeling so obliged, I might put it on Instagram later. But he looked, he looked the spit of John Hammond, bless him. Uh, and he, apparently he was taking a lunch break from his flea circus. So, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of your great anecdotes. Um, it's in Jurassic Park. He talks about flea circus in Jurassic Park. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right, anyway, Jack, sorry. I'm Jack. sorry I interrupted you for that. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> in, um, in case in case people have been under a rock as well, or like myself, because I'm absent-minded, when is this coming out? So when I introduced this bit, I said uh, June the 6th. <laughs> so pretty pretty close. Oh, uh, sorry. Who, which company's putting it out? Is it, is it uh, Passive Aggressive Movies or uh, <laughs> another one? Warner Brothers. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay, so June the 6th, guys. What I've done there is a callback, just in case anyone missed the first date. Uh, it's, it's part of my pro-radio approach. <laughs> um, Paul Anderson, what is first on your list that I made for you? So is this number one? Is this like my most anticipated film? Is this how I we're doing know, this? Jack, what do you think? Just, I, I reckon it's just like... Just five groups out of It's just a group, isn't just it? Coming out. Okay. Uh, Sicario 2, Soldado. Mm. Um... I am incredibly excited for this. Um, the director is someone who I haven't got his name in front of me, so bear with me. The reason I'm excited about this while I look up he the did, director's he name... He did the Gamora TV series, that's what I know about. Yes, he did the Gamora TV series, and his name is... Uh, we'll get back to that. Um, so, yeah, if you, again, maybe listen to the show will know that I absolutely adore the first Sicario. I think it's one of uh, it's one of those films that gets better every time you watch it. Um I love Denny Villeneuve as a director, and Sicario for me is one of his finest films. Um, Emily Blunt's great in it, Benicio de Toro is incredibly well utilised, Josh Brolin's good in it, everything's good about it, it's very, very stylised, uses violence sparingly, action scenes are absolutely blistering, um, and I just loved it. Uh, so as I am 
intrigued by this. This is again written by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote the first film. Um, directed by, as you said, Pete, the guy that made the Gamora TV series, uh, Stefano Salima. So it promises to be uh, very stylish. Most of the original cast are back. Benicia Vittoria, Josh Brolin. Uh, Catherine Keene is in this as well, in a, I'd say a slightly more badass role than we used to. And I'm, I've got high hopes for the sequel, to be honest. I mean, I can't see it being as good as the original, but even if it's, even if it's, you know, a star worse than the original, I think will still be a blinding action film. I think it's Absolutely. going to be very and, and you said um, about the director's work, stylish, and I would probably add to that, I would imagine, gritty. And like one yes. thing that, you know, anyone who's seen um, the first Sicario m- movie knows that for a, a film that went pretty wide and became fairly sort of mainstream popular, I would say, it is, like some of that movie is is gruesome and grim and actually quite hard to watch and and none of that is to take anything away from it it's entirely necessary to deal with the subject that it is but yeah i think that's going to be a a through line that continues with this one yeah i agree yeah very very excited about this pete what have you got first so first again i think we're touching on films we've talked about but as you said paul i think it's good to kind of go some of these came up in our preview of the year way back in january so yeah um, some of them possibly didn't but hey hey no I'm going to go uh, with uh, a film that comes out, Jack, on the 15th of June. 15th of June, just a little bit after Jurassic World. Um, This one is Hereditary. And the reasons to be excited about this are first-time feature director Ari Aster has a lot of buzz around, I think, um, basically the fact that he's pumped out a few fairly well-received short films, hasn't done anything in terms of feature length. This thing already sits at 89 uh, Metascore on on Metacritic, which is fairly incredible for a sort of first-time director. In, in addition, we've got two incredibly strong female actresses here. Uh, one of them is Tony Collette, and the other one is Anne Dowd. And like, I was reminded again how great Anne Dowd is because we've just been watching the second half of season one of uh, The Handmaid's Tale, and like, I was saying to my fiance, Anne Dowd is this actress who can say sort of like a bit like Elizabeth Moss in that series as well, who can say sort of like a paragraph's worth of things with like one eye or like the way in which she, she has this thing and out where she sort of lifts a point about two thirds of the way across her mouth. And it can be so sinister and disturbing, but such a subtle little move. So anything that she's in, I'm excited about. And Tony Collette is someone I've liked for a really long time. Gabriel Burns in this thing as well. Uh, the people will obviously know. And um, the film itself Uh, what we've got in terms of detail, because I haven't watched the trailer yet deliberately, is uh, when the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. It all looks very sort of creepy, creaking floorboards, haunted house-ish kind of uh, girls draped in sort of like long linens and stuff. Um, I'm intrigued and I don't want to find out much more about it than that, which is weird because I'm supposed to be doing a preview of it. But I think the play- the pieces are in place that I don't need to know much more, really. No, we talked about the trailer, I think, a few weeks back. The trailer is very good in Venice. But, um, and I think I was reading somewhere in an Australian... Uh, in an Australian screening of possibly Peter Rabbit, I think they put on the Hereditary trailer in error, and uh, loads of kids was just uh, screaming and running out of the cinema because it just it just absolutely terrified them. So uh, yeah, whether or not whether or not the, the cinema has been paid by the filmmaker, to, the film production company to do that because that's incredible publicity. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it looks good though. It looks very good. Uh, Jack. Okay, cool. Uh, so my second film that I'm going to pick this week. Um, is The Incredibles 2. 
so this is 14 years after the original came out in 2004, which is one reason why I'm really sort of anticipating this because, yeah. How old were you, Jack, when that came out? How old was I? Uh, yeah. I was in. I was 13, I think, when the first. 13. First one came out. That must have been like absolutely your jam at 13. No, because I mean, I, I don't know how old I was at the time, but a little bit older than that, obviously. And I just remember, and I've seen it again since, but like the first Incredibles movie being just so like accomplished on so many oh, it levels. Was, yeah. like, As an animation, it was it, fantastic. Well, it's funny and it like whips along at a pace and all those things. So what what's new? Do you know anything like details wise about uh, the, the so second one? This uh, is base, basic Mr. Incredible um is left to look after the family of uh, super kids, um, especially Jack-Jack, who was the one at the end of the last Incredibles. That is this why you like it? Because the character's called Jack-Jack. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is a really good reason uh, why. I wish my name was Jack-Jack, to be honest. Um, and You can make it happen. Yeah, so basically he gets all these superpowers right at the end of the last Incredibles film. So I've, I'm wondering how they're going to explore that. So that sounds quite exciting. Um, and Elastigirl, who's played by um, Holly Hunter, who I think is reprising her role from the original film, is, um, yeah, she basically goes and sort of saves the world and stuff. So that should be good. It's a bit of a weird thing to ask, but do you happen to know, and I'm really putting you on the spot, the running time? Uh, no, I just, I I'm just interested. Like, I wonder whether it's one of those anime, like you know, animations in in putting out a sequel where they sort of go overboard in terms of running time and they sort of alienate some people. I'll try and find out. I should have found out to begin with. To be fair, so, I think um, it's yeah, kind of with you. It'd be interesting. But my one concern with this Jack is that, with the exception of probably Toy Story what, two and three, Pixar don't have a great run of sequels no, that is true think. actually so i think they've they've waited enough and uh brad bird as the director mm. was, wasn't willing to uh make a new film unless there was a really well written story for it mm. okay so from reading that um i think i'm anticipating it more so hopefully it um comes to, out in flying colors really to fill in that blank that absolutely no one except me cared about uh the film's running time is one hour 58 so almost exactly two hours which you know we'll see i, I it's one of those where i kind of I, I always hope that a film like this, or most films, to be fair, is going to be about one hour 40 to one hour 45. Yeah. And, and I wonder whether it'll drag a little bit. But having said all that, you know, like like I said before, the first movie just like whips along, doesn't it? And you never get bored in the first one. And I presume the first movie is not too far short of two hours. No, um, so. I don't think it is. Cool. Paul, how are you doing for a second pick? What have you got going uh, on? Well, it was hereditary. So, um, what have you we'll got talk next? about hereditary more. <laughs> why, like, why... No, I mean, no, Why are you excited? Very, like, just just jump back into it. Why are you excited about Hereditary? It's a horror film. Uh, the trailer looks very, very atmospheric. Um, and for pretty much all of the other reasons you said, to be fair, Pete. Um, but yes, I'm very much looking forward to Hereditary. Um, you know what, man? Well, just, I, I remember not dissimilar of a sort of time of year last year doing the show with you, where um, I was incredibly pumped up about a film that involved a trailer that looked really creepy that was in a sort of dark sort of dimly lit house with a person draped in in flowing linen do you remember what that film was uh no not the top of my head you're gonna you're gonna help me out <laughs> it was uh, it was the darren aronofsky movie mother that i ended up absolutely loathing ah uh, yes now, i don't imagine they have too many things in common you know i don't know how many babies are going to get ripped to pieces in this one Hopefully zero. Um, but uh, yeah, I just hope it's not another sort of haunted house disappointment. But like something that's 
like crackling around the 90% mark on Metacritic. Like it seems very unlikely to me that this is going to disappoint. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I'm excited. Um, well, I'll try and keep this one short because I feel a little bit bad now that you got you got your, your second pick stolen away from under your legs. <laughs> Um, well, I, I didn't do any preparation for this episode, in fairness. So, you know, I've got you to do one this for me, basically. So I deserve well, it. It's fine. Ju- yeah. Jump in on this one. Jump in on this one because you'll have an opinion for sure. Uh, my pick, second pick, is Under the Silver Lake. This is, uh, talking of running times, two hours and 19 minutes. Mm, when is this out? Is this out? So is this out soon? The US release date is 22nd, 22nd of June. So I would imagine here it won't be long after that. I'll look into that in just a second. Um, March 2018, you watch. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. Yeah, available uh, nowhere other than import Blu-ray. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, we should fill in for people who don't know. This is a David Robert Mitchell's follow-up to It Follows. Um, this follows, it follows, you could say. Um, a film oh, that, yes, yes. that I think, Paul, you would agree, we were both not only uh, fans of, but were kind of blown away by when it was released cinematically. Because yes. it, it, it was the, this guy, uh, David Robert Mitchell, like followed up this movie, The Myth of the American Sleepover, which was like a kind of dreamy, uh, drifting, almost aimless movie about a good movie, but an almost aimless movie about what it's like to be in that transitional sort of period between being a, a teen kind of and being an adult in America in a particular time period. And then out of almost nowhere comes that, but through the lens of like this incredibly unsettling premise that something's going to get you and you can't stop it and it could take any form, which, you know, obviously hark back to a load of classic horror stuff and, you know, the thing and, and all sorts, but like was just such a, an unexpected delight that, I find it hard not to be incredibly excited about Under the Silver Lake. And then also, Paul, we've got in here uh, one of our one of our people, Riley Keough, uh, in the cast, along with like Jimmy Simpson from Always Sunny and a lot of other serious work that I'm not crediting him with at the moment. Yeah, um, of all the things to credit him with is his role as a McCoy. That, brilliant. <laughs> I'll always remember him as that. I'll always yeah. remember him as that. Um, uh, Andrew Garfield is in the league. Andrew isn't Garfield is in it. Yeah, he's, Tofu. He's not one of our people, but is, no, not, not as yet. Um, so yeah it's it's an interesting cast it's a pretty strong cast and it says uh, in terms of plot that a man becomes obsessed with the strange circumstances of a billionaire mogul's murder and the kidnapping of a girl so mysterious he's gone in another direction again this one more divisive in terms of early critical responses oh hugely divisive this one yeah it's been it's been certain corners been absolutely savaged yeah it's, it's um, fi- so 59 metacritic and 6.5 a lot of people i was reading i was reading something in the guardian the day that would potentially say this could be like his southland tales obviously right. me and richard kelly followed up donnie darko with the southland tales which i to this day still quite like um but again that it, it didn't go down well on release so. I, I, I to this day still quite don't although the bit where he he, they play uh i got soul but i'm not a soldier and like justin timberlake runs out of place in slow motion that's quite good yeah that's quite cool yeah um yeah right jack attack the next one what have you got back to me Uh, okay uh this time i've got hotel artemis which i previewed on a previous show uh just a little bit of information about is um it's basically riot torn los angeles in the near future and it follows a nurse who sort of runs this criminal hospital, um, which you have to be a member for. And basically some gangsters get in trouble and they come to this hospital and it surrounds that hospital. 
Uh, it starts Jodie Foster as the nurse. Uh, the trailer just amazed me. I thought it was quite a cool sort of thing to do, and I really sort of like gangster films, so this is a nice twist, I think. Um, this comes out in, on July the 20th, UK release. Yeah, this was kind of floating around my sort of honourable mentions list of things that I'm also interested in. I mean, you've talked about it, like you said, talked about it before. It does look really cool. It looks like a cool premise. Um, yeah. It looks like John Wick. It looks like the hotel from John Wick. Yeah, yeah so maybe that it I, probably yeah. is. Yeah, I think I read a, a sort of another preview saying like this is John Wick meets something else that's a bit like John Wick. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, John sounds... Wick meets John Wick too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. But but yeah, definitely sounds cool and and by all means you guys go back to all the previous episodes where we've talked about any and all of these movies um and then tell us how much you agree with absolutely every word of what we've said. Paul or not as the case may be. Uh, what have I got next? Got? Oh, fuck yes. The Predator, a new Predator film directed by Shane Black, uh, and I believe written by, possibly written by Shane Black as well, but I may be wrong on that one. A new Predator film directed by Shane Black stars Boyd Holbrook, who is one of my favourite uh, up-and-coming stars. I think he's he was wicked in Narcos. He's very, very good as a villain in Logan, uh, and I think he's going to oh, be a yeah, massive I star. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. you talking about him, and I didn't really know yeah. who he was, but yeah. Um, and yes, Olivia Munn's in this. Who else is in this? Oh, um, not Peel from Key and Peel. Key from Key and Peel is in this as well in Predators. Keegan Michael um, Key. Keegan Michael Key, yeah. Keegan Michael Key is in this. It's quite an eclectic cast, to be honest. Um, your favourite, Jacob Tremblay, or what is, whatever Tremblay, it is you call him. Tremblay Jacob. Tremblay Jacob, yeah, he's in this. Um, yeah, I, the trailer looks. I don't think it's the best trailer I've ever seen, I have to say. But I'm game for the fact it's Shane Black uh, doing a Predator film. Um, I'd be intrigued to see the notion of take. It looks like they've been splicing Predators together. It possibly is more than one Predator. There's, there's hints that you, the humans might be working on Predators in this, which is something we've kind of seen before in Alien vs. Predator, but done very, very badly there. Um, and Shane Black, incidentally, for, the, for most people listening, will probably be aware of this, but he was also uh, one of the actors in the first Predator film. He played one of the uh, Marines. Uh, so, yes, uh, he's got some personal connection way back to the beginning of the project, and he's a very talented filmmaker, so I'm very excited to see what he does with it. And, and I'm ready to get savaged, um, you know, necessarily for this, because you might have said this already, but the, the original Predator's being re-released uh, wide in, in cinemas, I believe, very shortly. I hope so because Cineworld showed it um, and then just there were three dickheads in the front that we were a bit pissed and just kept playing up and the staff just decided to do nothing about it despite multiple complaints but this so was a few really years ago right? no this was only last year Cineworld in oh, okay. Um so yeah so that was a shame so if there is an opportunity to see it on the big screen again I would like to take it yeah um, there, so, there yes. should be there should be um, Right, next for me, I have got um, the directorial debut, another one, of uh, Boots Riley, who I believe is a guy who's predominantly uh, involved in the like world of music and hip-hop and stuff like that. I don't know a great deal about this guy, but who I do know a little bit more about is uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who plays the, well, it's obviously from Get Out and stuff like that, come to, to prominence recently, uh, plays the lead in this movie. Uh, did I just say the title? I don't know. Sorry to Bother You is the name of this movie. And um, alongside him is definitely one of my people. That is uh, Tessa Thompson. Um, so what I've got in terms of early information is uh, it's an alternate, alternate, I should say, present day version of Oakland in, in California. Uh, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, pref uh, propelling him into a macabre universe. 
which to me sounds like enough reason to get myself down the cinema. So yeah, I like Lakeith Stanfield a lot. I think this guy is making big moves and I absolutely adore Tessa Thompson and most everything that she's in, including but not limited to uh, Dear White People, which people should see because I think it's a bit underseen. Um, and there's also a TV series of that now that got bought by Netflix, I believe. So it's uh, showing on Netflix. I don't think she's involved in the TV series though. But um, yeah, looking forward to that. It is again called uh, Sorry to Bother You and Sorry to Bother You, but I'm going to tell you the release date. It's the 6th of July of this year. Jack hello, Mills. Hello. Number four, what have you got? Number four. Uh, so this is uh, Papillion. Uh, I think it's pronounced Papillion. Uh, trailer I've recently watched. Is it called Papillon? Papillon. Is it called Papillon? Papillon. Papillon. Maybe it's Papillon. Well, yeah. Is this a remake? Of- it means Butterfly. It yeah, means it's, butterfly, it's mate, remake. in French and that, okay. doesn't it? It's a remake. It is a remake of the 1973 film with the same name. Have you ever um, seen it? No, I haven't, actually. Is it worth checking out? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's good. Double bill. Yeah. It's a long time ago I watched it, but yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, so this is yeah. directed by Michael Nowhere. Uh, it comes out in the US on the 24th of August. <laughs> and it's basically a biographical film of a French convict, Henry Charia. Uh, probably not how you pronounce it, who's played by Charlie Hunnam, which... Uh, Charlie Hunnam, like Queer as Folk, Lost City of Z. Yes, that guy. Uh, yeah, Sons of Anarchy, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, it also stars uh, Rami Malek, and they basically escape from prison in 1944 from a from an island, uh, French island, I believe. Jack, you had me at They Escape From Prison. Any, Honestly... Any film where people escape from prison is worth my time. Like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, any prison breakout thing, except for the show Prison Break, I will happily go. Yeah, on. no, I think this this should be pretty good. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen the original, so um, I should. There's some there's some homework for you. Yeah, Here so you I go. probably watched that before I watched this, but the trailer. Looks Steve cool. McQueen's in it. Um, it's set. Steve in McQueen's a, in the original. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, in that yeah. time period, which I like, um, and it. It just sounds pretty awesome. They're escaping from prison. Yeah, no, great. I'm in. By the way, uh, just shoehorn this in because, you know, why not? We do what we want. Um, have you guys played uh, A Way Out yet, the video game? No, I've heard no. It's a good thing. Really good, really good. Like kind of couch co op thing where obviously you're trying to find a way out and it's like a prison break thing. So uh, refer to my previous comments. I gobbled it right up and it's, uh, it's pretty enjoyable. It's like a bit all over the place in the second half, but yeah, good fun. Get on it. Welcome to Strangers in a Video Game Store. Paul, which <laughs> which game are you most looking forward to this summer? <laughs> um, I am looking forward to uh, The Meg, which I think you talked about in a show that I wasn't on, yeah. um, which is directed by um, the man that directed one of my popcorn picks, if we ever get to popcorn picks in this episode. Um, I think it's, yeah, John Turtletub is directing this with Jason, starring Jason Statham, um, who appears to take on a giant megalodon shark. Uh, that's all you really need to know, to be honest, as to why I'm excited about it. It's Jason Statham versus a giant shark, essentially. What was the last um, film you watched with uh, Jason Statham in? Oh, it's a good question. I'd actually have to uh, think a bit. Spy. Yeah, Spy, but do you see it at the cinema or did you see it later? Uh, I saw it later. Yeah, I saw that at the cinema, so that's going back like a couple of years. I don't know if I've seen anything... Probably really Fast and Furious, surely. Fast and Furious. Yeah, Furious. no, you're right. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, it's probably... Fate with an eight. Fate with an eight of the Furious. Yes. <laughs> Which was a fine cinematic work, Paul. We it agreed on that. 
So I reckon the Meg's <laughs> going to be a pretty f- powerful film with those two. The, you, you can imagine, Jack, the amount of pathos that there's going to be in this movie. The layers. It's going to be one of those that you have to go back to to reveal new uh, things. Like a David yeah. Lynch movie, kind of. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. That's why I'm excited about it. It's just going to be over-the-top, absolute nonsense, uh, yeah. B-movie fun. So, yes, all good. For sure. For sure. Like, like when I say, if people break out of prison, I'm in... When Jason Statham's on screen with a giant, like, megalodon thing, then that's enough. That's enough. Take my money. Yeah, agreed. Uh, is that five now? I don't know. I don't know where I am. I've I'm lost, up to I've number four. I'm, I'm very tired. I think this is the round of four, isn't it? Yeah, this round one? of four, this one. So, uh, to close that out, my uh, fourth pick is a film called Hot Summer Nights. This movie has a 27th of July release date. And I am excited about this because it stars everybody's favourite new young actor, Timothy Chalamet. Yes. Um, and not just uh, everyone's new favourite young actor, but everybody's or one of uh, the, the favourite young actresses in Maker Monroe, who, of course, was like... Well, it follows. It yes. follows, yeah, t- tying things together nicely. And, like, if you go on the IMDb page for this movie, you see Timothy Chalamet and, like, uh, Maker Monroe, like, about to make out, and she's, like, gripping his neck. And again, that's enough for me. I'm in. Um, This one is directed by Elijah Bynum. And um, it basically has a very brief synopsis or a very brief description that says, a boy comes of age during a summer he spends in Cape Cod. Imagine a movie with Timothy Chalamet coming of age. It's going to be a real departure for him. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if if you watch the the trailer, it all looks sort of very um, like neon lit, sweaty, like uh, voyage of discovery, sort of dark turns, dark times, mistakes, and sort of um, growth. Like I, I'm all about that life. So yeah, um, hot summer nights is is exciting as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Trailer looks really good. Yeah, I think just both of them are on the up and up, and they sort of meet in this movie at a, at a perfect time. So. Yeah, with all being well, that will be a, a treat when it eventually reaches our shores. Jack, take us into the to the final Ooh, round. Final it's number film five of summer releases. Uh, I've picked Alpha, um, which I, I watched the trailer a very long time ago, and it's suddenly just come back into this space. Um, and it follows a young boy about twenty thousand years ago, the last ice age, um, and he befriends this wolf. Hence the Alpha sort of title. Um, is it animated or live no, action? No, it's, uh, it, it's live, action. live action, yeah. Um, this is directed by Albert Hughes, who you might know from the Book of Eli. Um, don't have Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so some people might find that a bit weird, but never mind. Um, so this starts uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who you probably oh, know from... Oh, from Slow West. The, he was in uh, The Road. He was the boy in The Road uh, from, yeah. from back in the early 2000s. Back in the day. Um, back in the day. And then there's Kurt from X-Men Apocalypse, that blue guy that teleports. And he's in Slow West. And he's in Slow West. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, Is no, he in Slow West, Pete? He's in Slow West. he's in Slow West, mate. Have you seen yeah. him? Oh, cool. Yeah. No, well, I haven't. At least, at least someone knows who the actor is. That's, that's a good... My that guy from Slow, it's the guy from Slow West, isn't it? Yeah, oh, he's, Slow he's, West? Oh, he yeah. co-stars with Michael Fassbender's penis yeah. in, in Slow West. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack, carry on. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I find this um, sort of time period quite fascinating because obviously we don't really know much about it. So Not that many documentaries. Not many documentaries about years it. Ago, are there? Um, it's the last Ice Age um, and I watched something about Neanderthals the other day and it's got me... Um, but Jack, isn't it, isn't it true that everything you know about the Ice Age you actually learned from the Ice Age movies? <laughs> Can this teach us anything else? I feel yeah, like we yeah. learned 
what happens in the well, Ice Age in, from Ice Age. Ice Age, yeah. yeah the, the, ca- the cartoon. Yeah. The cartoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just ice, isn't it? So. Or there's that one, what's that movie, 20,000 20, years BC or whatever, where... Oh, 10,000 uh, yes. years 10, BC. 10,000, oh, the whole 10,000 years out. Uh, it's not even connected. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't like that. Um, great. Uh, Paul... Anderson. You don't have a middle name, do you? I want to give you a middle name. You haven't got one. I do have a middle name. Do you, do you? Do you not know my middle name? Yeah. Oh, do, you like, do you want to know? Do you want to know my middle name? It's Steelbook. It's not, it's not Steelbook, no. Anderson. I see what you've done there, but no. Uh, for that, I'm not going to share my middle name now. What is it? Do you really have a middle name? I thought you told me you didn't have one. No. I've, when, do, when do we talk about this? Uh, it's all the time. It's like, do you want to go down the pub and talk about our middle names? And you're like, oh, I can't do that, mate. I haven't got one. And it, yours isn't yours James? No, mine is not James. Mine is James. You've insulted yours is James. me there. You've insulted me, sir. Jack What's your middle name then? Go on then. You share yours and I'll share mine. We'll say it at the same time. Okay, we'll get we'll you both ready? get them out at the same time. Right. Three, right. two, one. Jeremy. Graham. Graham? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Graham Anderson. Yeah, PGA Tour. Boom. <laughs> PG Anderson, though. That's quite good. If you wrote a novel, PG Anderson's pretty solid, I reckon. As a it's man. not too bad, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, right, where were we? My fifth film. That's what we were trying to find. Um, my fifth film is going to be... Uh, lack of preparation really coming to the fore here. Um, what am I looking forward to here? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Pete, what else do you have on my list? What did you put on your list? I uh, thought you made your list, didn't you? No. What have we no, got? Something right good. You're looking forward to Tully. It's <laughs> 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 the first Sorry. thing I looked at. Is we've already reviewed it. Why don't you share the same fifth film? Because that that seems like a wise thing to do, considering Pete made your list. How about that? Uh, do you know? I'm going. No, I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to throw it down uh, because I've just seen this, and someone mentioned this to me the other day. It's on iTunes on June the 29th, so that's my first release date. It stars Sylvester Stallone and Dave Bautista, and it is Escape Plan 2. That's actually oh, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can, can I give you your fifth film instead of that abomination? <laughs> if you want to, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of this, because I hadn't heard of it. And not that that means you wouldn't have heard of it. I just mean, like, literally, this is the first time this has come to my attention. Releasing in the UK on a TBD, but a June 1st release in the US, so it just qualifies. This movie is called Upgrade, Paul. I'm going to try and... Right. I'm going to get your, your live reaction. It's like what the kids do on YouTube, right? So, Lay Winnell, you know that guy, right? No. Lee, Lay, the guy who co-created Saw with uh, James Wan... Yes. The actor slash screenwriter, whatever. So uh, he and Insidious, apparently, as well. Um, he's taking a stab at sci-fi with a futuristic thriller starring Logan Marshall Green from The Invitation, that kind of indie that showed up on Netflix is pretty good. But he was in um, Prometheus as well, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's yeah. like the cool guy with like kind of surfing. It's like, yeah, like not, the not Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy. Right. Um, yeah, and he says... On a mission of revenge against the people who killed his family using a cybernetic implant that he doesn't fully know how to control. Inventive violence, big ideas, could make Upgrade potentially the next breakout thriller. Thank you very much, IGN UK, for that preview. Paul, does that sound like something up your street? I, yes, to be honest. 
I've, I've been uh, I've sleepless nights thinking about upgrades. So I'm just surprised you've never heard of it sooner. Pete, to be honest. <laughs> it's just, honestly, I think right at the beginning of the year, I was just thinking, oh, I wish they'd make a film like Upgrade. So trust me when I say, guys, Upgrade's going to be the film of the year. It's going to be incredible. And I'm proper psyched for it. <laughs> Boom. Yes. Upgrade. Let's make it happen. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be the. It's gonna trump Chappie as the best sci-fi movie of this generation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, um, totally. The the final film on my list is uh, probably not gonna be that good, and I've just picked it because Jessica Chastain's in it. Uh, this is called uh, Woman Walks Ahead, and it's a biographical sort of historical drama. Releases sort of the end of June, beginning of July, depending on where you are in the world. Um, this one directed by Susanna White and written by Stephen Knight. Jessica Chastain, Sam Rockwell, another reason to be excited. Kieran Hines is in it as well. Yeah, it, it kind of like I saw Jessica Chastain and Sam Rockwell in a movie and I thought that's, that's again, that's sort of enough for me because I've been as lazy as we've probably all been in preparing this thing. But yeah, Woman Walked Ahead, it had a decent trailer. Um, and you know, it's, trailer, yeah. yeah, we'll see. It's not been reviewed that well so far, but let's not dwell on that. Um, any, like, honourable mentions, Jack? Anything we didn't fit into the list? Uh, well, there's quite a, f- a lot of films coming out in the next couple of months. Um, so... No. Ant-Man and Wasp's coming out, isn't it? The, uh, Wasp. Marvel, oh, Wasp, the Marvel yeah. completionist. Yeah. Uh, that's out. That's out fairly soon. Do we need um, any more Marvel films, though? Well, I, I don't know, Jack. That's very, that's very deep. Yeah, very. We do a whole episode on that. Do a whole episode of Do we need any more Marvel films? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, in, a, in a similar sorry, in a similar round, Paul, is that do we need any more Marvel films? Uh, what we definitely needed was Natalie Portman to make a film about uh, the cruelty of eating animals. Don't worry, she's done it. It's called Eating Animals, and it's coming out soon. <laughs> okay, good. Um, good. Um, yeah. What are we doing? Are we going to bounce straight into features, or are we going to do our popcorn? I, I would say, I would say, Paul, just before we do that, we we will go into um, popcorn movies. I think next, but Jack, do you mind just going down very quickly what your list was in case people have sort of joined in halfway through? Okay, so uh, in no particular order, we had Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom, Hotel Artemis, Incredibles 2, Alpha, and Papillon. Paul. Papillon. Papillon. Paul, what was your list? Just... Um, uh, the Predator, yep. Sicario 2, uh, Hereditary, The Meg, yep. and obviously upgrade upgrade was basically number one i mean we don't have to hide that really do we yeah Um, i had uh, hereditary as well uh along with paul uh under the silver lake sorry to bother you hot summer nights and woman walks ahead and then a natalie portman documentary about not eating animals in sixth (laughs) Uh, we will be back in just a moment with a little bit of our show that we like to call popcorn movies boom So, popcorn movies, here we are. Um, Pete, are we doing one or two this week? What are you, what are you thinking? Um, what are we'll you see thinking? how long it takes. Just get cracking okay. and we'll see how long it takes. Okay, we'll see how long it takes. Uh, so, my first one of the week is um, a film that I'm gonna, that I've never seen before, and this will come as a shock to some people. And again, producer Connor. Uh, I think producer Connor would be turning his grave. He is still alive and well. I certainly hope he's still alive and well after this, or I'm going to quite feel quite bad. But former producer Connor would be turning his grave if he was dead, indeed he isn't. Uh, I have never seen until Monday night. I've never seen Cool Runnings, guys. Can you believe that? Never seen to Cool be Runnings. Fair, Paul, I think Connor 
would be more upset if Cool Runnings was a sort of silent 1920s movie that you hadn't seen or maybe like something from the golden age of Hollywood where he'd like be sick in his own mouth because you hadn't seen it yet so <laughs> I reckon he'd forgive you Cool Runnings is it is Cool Runnings any good now that you're watching it in this time of your life yes glorious as it was time. very very good uh, I also wanted to bring up as well and uh, you shouldn't really speak out of the dead I suppose but I have to bring up part of the reason that I haven't it took me so long to watch this film I have a theory because I believe that my dad, uh, God rest his soul, um, was constantly saying that this film just wasn't suitable and I couldn't watch it because it wasn't suitable for age group. Now, it's a Disney film. It's a Disney-produced film. There's nothing in there that isn't suitable for a family audience. The only thing I can think, guys, unfortunately, is that my dad was just a massive racist. That's about the only thing that comes to mind as to why I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I've I disobeyed, so, finally disobeyed my father and watched Cool Runnings. <laughs> so, so you had this sort of uh, ambivalence about this movie where, on the one hand, you were like, oh, Cool Runnings, turns out it's an entertaining uh, sort of 90s underdog story. And on the other hand, uh, part of my life was a lie and my dad was a massive racist. So, I mean, yeah. a lot of feelings had on that particular <laughs> Yeah, film, yeah, in fairness, yeah. Um, it may not have been that obviously he's not around to us so we probably give him the benefit of the doubt and maybe say he isn't a massive racist maybe he just didn't think it was suitable but anyway um, yeah I bloody love this film I have to say it's just so much fun like, it's knowingly cheesy um, the cast are all on like top form the banter between them is, is fantastic uh, for those of you who don't know it uh, which I can't imagine is anyone um, it is based on the true tale of the Jamaican bobsleigh team um, who basically are kind of considered a laughing stock in bobsleighing and then um, go and go on to actually compete at the Olympics. Um, they are uh, coached by a previous American bobsleigher in this film, played by John Candy. Um, and they're all, they're all sprinters who go on to, and yeah, I wouldn't even say massive success. It's just, uh, as you say, as you've summed it up, right, it's just a very sweet underdog story, Pete, um, that is very, very funny uh, and very charming throughout, I think. And uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it for a while, I would watch it again. It, it certainly did, delivered for me anyway. Really liked it. Really so liked it. Is it there already, or is the steel book arriving tomorrow? Uh, there isn't a still book available at the moment, uh, I don't think. There's but I'm sure... There's got to be like a bobsled-shaped collector's edition or something like that. I'm sure, sure Zabby will release a still book for Cool Runnings at some point. And uh, I, won't, I won't let you down, Pete, I promise. Nice. <laughs> um, so one for me this week, um, I, I think I can keep relatively short, not least because I kind of don't want to spoil it because I know, Paul, you'll be keen on, on catching up with this one. So I don't want to give too much... Away. The movie is um, Revenge from uh, director Coralie Fargiat, I believe is the pronunciation. Um, This one's had quite a lot of buzz because, I think I previewed it actually in Coming Attractions, because of the fact that it was said to sort of, in certain ways, subvert what was a fairly uh, grimy, sort of slightly grim part of exploitation or cinema history, which was the rape revenge film... um, you know, most identifiable amongst that subgenre, I guess, is a film like I Spit on Your Grave. And you mentioned, Paul, that you'd studied it at uni and, and film studies and stuff like that. Um, to, to cut to the quick, there is a thing that happens in this movie that I cannot talk about, which very much allows the film to do something quite different to what that kind of a I Spit on Your Grave movie did. And I think that's very much to the film's benefit. I think that the central performance from uh, Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz, she's got so many names, she could give a few to somebody else. Um, yeah, I think that the central performance is very strong. I don't know that the um, the actors here are not 
first language native speakers of English and that's very apparent and they don't need to hide that but it does make the opening exchanges feel quite stilted and almost um, in my maybe because I come from like language teaching but it kind of threatened to undermine the sort of building tension and stuff in the movie obviously this is not a family film Um, it is based around a, a very grim attack and then the repercussions from that attack it's nicely smartly shot if not always entirely polished i don't know that it needs to be um and it's yeah it's difficult i want to talk about it more in the future paul when you've had a chance to see it too i i liked it without being i think as blown away as i see a lot of the sort of letterbox community and sort of wider reviewers have been um i would say like i tend to with a lot of the, the films that we review this is one where you need to make up your own mind you need to see it for yourself and i think it will be a bit of a a bit of a talking point movie, maybe. Um, not unlike something like L uh, a year or so ago. Um, in slightly different ways. But yeah, I'll leave it at that and um, come back to it in due course when you've seen it, Paul, and maybe Jack's seen it as well. Jack, uh, you have something, I believe, to, to popcorn out of yourself. Yeah, um, sort of going with our theme for the feature film this week. Um, I checked out The Cured, uh, which is uh, an Irish film... Um, Directed by David Frey, I think. That's how you pronounce his name. Um, and this, I was drawn to this because it stars Ellen Page, uh, which is quite interesting because I haven't really seen much of her recently. Um, Flatliners. That was an Flat incredible Liners. film. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't see that one. Um, <laughs> no, just don't. Um, so basically what this was interesting in terms of like the zombie genre was um, that it's about 75% of the population who had this virus called the maze virus have been cured uh there are also 25 percent that is resistant to this cure and it stars a, a guy called sam keely who comes back to the family home um he holds quite a dark secret because he literally remembers everything that he's done as an inf- infected um part of society um and there's just loads of like discrimination against all these um cured people and i thought that was quite um, a clever way of doing things however the writing was a little bit slow and um there was a lot of sort of depressing moments for a a zombie film which i didn't really like um and it was a little mundane to be honest so yeah i i no, i'm holding i'm holding back from saying what i want to say holding back I just know it's only exactly say. Say. it was a bit depressing for a zombie film and I wanted to be like yeah because they're usually hilarious but um yeah. yeah yeah no I know I know what you mean like they can become a bit of like a dirge or a bit of like a, a just a downer and that's certainly like a bit, like what, a bit like what almost happens in our feature review this week well that's right Jack you've, you've <laughs> yeah. done yourself proud by tying actually in um like loosely tying in at this point to what we're going to talk about later which is cargo as a feature uh, because there's not a feature-heavy show uh, this week because we've got our preview, but um, we'll talk about some more zombie-ish stuff in a bit, won't we? Paul, um, what's your second movie for this week? Uh, this is Andrew Haight's uh, recent release, uh, Lean on Pete. Um, what do you say? You know, I've, What can you say about a film with the title Lean on Pete, really, on, on a podcast like this one? Um, I, I wouldn't suggest you do it. It's terribly unreliable. He rarely if picks up his gonna... phone. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to lean on me, you've got to lean on my left side because if you lean on my right okay. side, agony. Right. Good. Good. No, no, no response to the digs about the phone. Then that's good. As long as I didn't hit a nerve, that's the important no, thing. Sorry, so. I missed that. I was on my phone. <laughs> um, have you? Uh, 
are you able to do what I did for you, the favour of not saying too much about this because I'm desperate to see it because I loved 45 years? Yes, I can. I haven't seen 45 years. The Blu-ray arrived today, not the Steelbook, but the Blu-ray did actually arrive today because I'm very eager to watch 45 years. Um, yes, I will try and say as little as possible about it by saying what I think. Um, the performance is very, very well written. Uh, the performances are fantastic. I believe it's Charlie Plummer is the young actor who plays a, a character called Charlie in this. Um, you've got, it's really nice to see uh, Travis Fimmel, um, Ragnar Lothbrok from Vikings, uh, and also he was in Warcraft. It's nice to see him in a more serious role um, in, in, in a better film than Warcraft because uh, name drop moment, I actually interviewed him a few years ago when I did some press coverage for another website uh, on the set of Vikings and uh, Travis Fimmel is a very, very lovely man. So it's nice to see him getting some work. It's nice to see him a bit more stretched in this role. Uh, he's very good. Um, it basically it basically charts the story of Charlie as his life kind of, and without giving trying to give anything away, his life kind of unravels and he starts working with this horse called Lean on Pete and this, he develops a relationship with the horse uh, and that's about all I'm going to say on it um, without giving away anything of the story because I think that's in the trailer. Uh, Steve Buscemi's in this as well as the guy that, that he works for um, so, and Chloe Savigny's in this as well so it's a very good cast. Um, it is one of those rare films that I think manages to evoke uh, quite, a, I'd say, a savage emotional response. I was pretty sad when I left this film, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, but it does so without ever being overwrought. Like, a lot of the things that happened here, if they were, ha if they were handled by um, a, a, a more clumsier director, shall we say, it could have got very overwrought and very, just, yeah, very overwrought very quickly, I think, and overly emotive. But because it's handled with a... I'd say a very deft, a very deft hand of Andrew Haig. It it, it really works, and it is uh, yeah, it's quite a harrowing film. At the same time, it's an it's one of those. Did you enjoy it? Is the kind of question that comes to mind. Yes, I did. It's a very good film. It's not an easy watch, but it is a very good film, and I would highly recommend it, Pete. And and I would guess, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, sort of, did you have you come away from this now that it was a what a few days ago you saw it? Uh, yesterday, sorry. Okay, because do you still have sort of images from the movie in your head? Yes. Because that's what I found with 45 years. Like, there were certain shots. Not that it's it's not like a scenery-heavy movie by by any means, but there were certain little, uh, in, you know, little capsules, little scenes that have stuck with me ever since. And that was, you know, I don't know how long ago I saw that film. Two years, maybe. Um, so, yeah, really, really properly excited to see that. And I will yeah. see it as soon as I possibly can. It's, uh, it's very good. So on there... Uh... I saw it at the cinema, uh, but it is on Curzon streaming, available now for a tenner if anyone's got that at home. If anyone is struggling to see uh, some art house releases and wants to see them, or, or not necessarily art house, but more indie releases, um, Curzon streaming, you do have to pay a tenner for the privilege, but Curzon streaming is worth a look. Because yeah. quite often they're on at the same time as they are would be on in, in smaller independent cinemas. Yeah, so, it's really um, Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a good feature, to be fair. So, yeah. It's how we watched, I believe, uh, Happy End. The, yes. Yeah, the uh, the director Michael, Michael Haneke. Thank you. Yeah, the last Michael Haneke. Um, so I'm going to keep this one super brief because I'm cheating. I'm not reviewing a film. I'm reviewing very briefly a little TV series. Uh, the reason I'm doing it is public service announcement because you should avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Do not watch it. Right. On Netflix, there's a thing at the moment that's doing the rounds called Evil Genius. Oh, it's the new Making a Murderer, you guys. It's, it's, it's gripping from beginning to end. No, it is not. It's a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful documentary. It's got four parts. 
the central two episodes, episode two and three, could just be cut entirely, almost. Uh, the first episode starts with what seems like an intriguing premise. A guy in this true story, uh, a guy walks into a bank. He's got a bomb strapped around his neck. He says he wants money. He then uh, goes out of the building, kneels down on the ground and tells the police, it's going to blow, it's going to blow, it's going to blow. And then the film, in the first episode, not a spoiler, it's in the trailer, I believe, or near enough in the trailer, uh, explodes. And we see that in real reality we see a man's head get blown off and you think wow this is going to be like really uh you know uh dark uh stuff this is going to be like uh, like an errol morris dissection of all the things that led to this event but it is one of the most cack-handed true crime pieces of storytelling that i have ever seen in my life and it baffles me how people are giving this thing good reviews. It really, really poor. And the most disappointing thing, perhaps, is that exec producing this thing are the Duplass brothers, who we like lots and we like most everything they did. And even like uh, Wild Wild Country, although I think um, flawed, I found that to be a very much, a pretty engaging uh, documentary series, a bit longer than this one. Evil Genius, terrible. And they do a thing in the, f- the very end of episode four, which I think is uh, ethically and uh, sort of almost, yeah, it's, it's ethically reprehensible. And I will talk uh, at more length when other people have seen it, if, if anyone wants to talk about this. But yeah, Evil Genius, avoid, avoid, avoid. Right, we will be back in just a moment with uh, what we've kind of been building up to, I guess, which is a feature review of Cargo. Cool, we're back. Good, thank you for that, Jack. <laughs> we've gone with the low key in there. We've got to yeah, be kept yeah, yeah. quiet. It's almost as if we're in some sort of uh, like zombie-infested landscape. And we got to keep ourselves to ourselves, otherwise we're going to get all messed up. That's right, we're reviewing a zombie film. Paul, uh, what's, what's Cargo about? Cargo uh, is basically, it stars um, Martin Freeman uh, as a father who is the kind of, basically they're scraping, uh, they're scraping a living together in existence with him, I believe his wife and their child, a uh, fairly newborn baby. Uh, they're scraping existence together on a boat um, that's just sailing down the river. Um, they, they don't really want to go ashore because of the, as you've mentioned, there are zombies. Um, there is, it's never really explained what's actually caused this, but yeah, it's basically the, the sort of zombie apocalypse. Um, uh, something happens to his wife and they have to go, they have to go to shore. Um, and then the story then follows Martin Freeman trying to protect his family. Um, I think possibly trying to get to hospital. Does that set it up well enough, guys? Do you think that's a yeah? That's a... Yeah, it sort of turns into this this odyssey um, where Martin Freeman has to face up to his responsibilities as a father and planning for the future in a way that invokes uh, plenty of exp- like potential exploration of like subtext, as most horror and zombie movies do um yeah no i think it's a good setup we should just hear a little clip um a bit of warning before we do there's there's some loud noises here so if your ears are delicate turn it down this country changing sick we all get sick you get sick too if you are infected then you've got 48 hours. Stop the car! We need to, Let me we out! Need to... You have to take her. What do you mean? You have to what take her. 
So, yes, loud noises as promised, giving you a sense of the, the perilous environment that surrounds Tim from the office, I mean Martin Freeman, as he travels across this sort of barren landscape with a child strapped to him and with a heavy weight of responsibility on his shoulders, both literally, Paul, and figuratively. Um, this film, before we get into our opinions, I should mention, comes... Uh, or was adapted from a seven-minute short film that is available to watch right now on YouTube um, from Ben Howling and Yolanda Ramke, who handle uh, co-handle directorial responsibilities here. Uh, the screenplay for the movie was written by Yolanda Ramke, who was actually second unit director on that Jungle film with Daniel Radcliffe that was uh, inventively entitled uh, okay. Jungle. Yes. Yeah. Um, Paul, what did you make of, you know, uh, this thing? Right, it's interesting. That I'd be very intrigued to see what Jack makes of this because he doesn't like depressing <laughs> zombie films. Uh, and this definitely would sit... If there is a genre of zombie films known as depressing zombie films, this is one of those films. <laughs> and in fact, I watched it with my wife. She was like, nothing too depressing then. And we were, we were going to watch Lean on Pete, I think, initially. She said, nothing too depressing. I went, what about Cargo? And we watched Cargo instead. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it starts off... Um, I would say it starts off very slowly, um, which it took me, it takes a while for me to engage with this, I have to say. I think Martin Freeman is probably one of his, certainly one of his best performances that I've seen. I think he's actually very good in this. Um, I like him a lot here. And it does start slowly, but by the end, if there's ever a film that is made by its ending, it is this film. Oh, yeah. Because mm. by the time it finished, I have to say, I was just like, I, I was, you know, one of those moments where you kind of, you're watching it with someone. And you kind of look over and you're just like, why have I looked? You can't, you can't look away from the screen. So the air, like that ending though, like is incredible in this film. So um, I came away actually really, really liking this film. I liked it a lot. It, it might be um, helpful to say as well that um, you were saying about the, the way in which the film starts slightly slowly. The point at which the short film, which got interest in this, begins. Yeah is not the start of the feature. It's actually no. the scene with the car, without giving too much away. The scene with the yeah. car that's like a little bit in where there's something decisive that happens with a car, um, which obviously the reason why I think that short picked up so much attention is because it was this really vital sort of, um, you know, sh uh, high concept kind of idea of like, what would you do if you're in this situation and you've got this ticking clock that you know only has a, a limited number of ticks until it, it you know it, it stops for good um yeah I, I'm basically with you Paul I think I I like the movie I I don't know that I always go for sort of um you know self-discovery journeys across distance although as I say that I think about how we disagreed about wild and how much I liked it I guess that's a slightly yeah. different thing but um yeah I don't know like when we talked about movies like uh, the rover for example which are very different yeah. to this but you, you get the comparison uh also and I'd say the, ro the rover's a fair comparison to this to uh to this yeah it's it's like got, barren landscape got, and it's got a similar visual aesthetic I think um and yeah. certainly similar certainly similar in um certainly similar its tone so I say that uh, as a fair comparison to be honest I, I sorry well, I, I think that for me, yeah, I think there were like elements of the film that I found to be very impressive. And it sort of reminded me a little bit of the way in which um, 
uh, my boy, Scoot McNary, and um, his wife, whose name escapes me now, um, and if you remember, who made Monsters as yes. a, a sort of breakout, not their first Winnie movie. Able. That's right, yeah. Uh, not not their first movie, but sort of a breakout movie. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of the way in which, when I watched that movie, I was like, oh, I'm so impressed with how they've managed to pull that off, and that element's really impressive. The whole thing here only coheres to me to a certain extent, and I think part of the reason why it didn't, blow my doors off is because I think that I like Martin Freeman probably more than I ever have before I was never particularly hot on him until maybe even Ghost Stories that we reviewed not long ago where I thought he was excellent however here I feel that maybe at times he doesn't quite have the emotional range required to pull this off. Like, if you watch a movie like um, The Road, which is a definite direct comparison, or fairly direct comparison, apt comparison here, Uh, Viggo Mortensen, I think, is an actor with, well, considerable chops, obviously. And I think it takes a lot to go from, like, the tenderness of this uh, childcare aspect, huge aspect of that character, to, um, you know, it's sort of manning up, for want of a better term, to being aggressive, to being vulnerable. Like, there's a lot that he has to do. And I think at some points, I see the kind of um, stitching come apart a little bit with the performance. Overall, though, for something that's come out as a Netflix exclusive, we've been quite disappointed with a lot of that output, I, this was up there. It was like one of the better ones for sure for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to. Sorry, Paul, carry on. No, go on. No, I'm just going to throw. I'd say pleasant, pleasant surprise of the year for me so far. I have to say that I, I really, really like this film. And again, like, just to to deliver that much of a, of a punch of an ending is is not always easy. Ending films well is not always easy to do. And this one, the end of this, will, will certainly stay with you for some time. Um, so yeah, no, pleasant surprise. Yeah, Jack. Sorry, what did you what did you think? You've seen this as well, haven't you? Well, uh, it's a difficult one because I do, I, I thoroughly enjoy sort of zombie films, zombie television and stuff like that. And I thought this was a really sort of fresh, almost a fresh take. I don't know if you agree. There might be other films out there that are, are fairly similar to this in terms of zombie films. Oh, yeah. No, I do agree, though, because I think like the, I mean, there's no spoiler in saying that the child that's being protected here is not your kind of, like, in the road, little boy walking along. No, this is, like, a baby. She this has is, no yeah. idea It's a vulnerable young yeah, child. Yeah. So, yeah, from that point of view, I think, yeah, you've seen it here and there, but this is did feel fairly fresh to me, fairly I original. I think, for me, like, the best parts about it were the aesthetics of the makeup and stuff, which, obviously, when you watch the film, you'll, you'll see. Um, and just the performances from the... Uh, the Austra- well, the Australian actors and actresses, I thought, were incredible. Especially uh, the young girl called Simone Landers. A really great performance, I thought. Um, and it was quite good because it, it dove into two different se- like separate cultures, which I found quite interesting. Um, they probably could have explored that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was it was it was a it was yeah it was a fairly decent zombie film i would say and the just the way that it was shot in the australian outback i thought was really cool on that as well jack there's this guy um in the movie who plays one of the the native australian uh, characters older guy fairly significant to the plot again we won't get too much into the plot but he is uh, a sort of um 
a bit of a legend, I think, in, in Australian filmmaking because he's in Rabbit Proof Fence and Walkabout and Australia, which is a slightly different thing. But uh, yeah, so th- this guy, uh, his name is David Gulpilil. David Gulpilil, I believe. Um, yeah, it, it is one of those where you feel like that's sort of stamping this thing with a certain amount of credibility that you might not have got otherwise if you just had a casting agent go out and look for yeah. you know, your kind of native yeah, of Australian cast. So yeah, from that point of view, I agree as well. I think the... the, the the environments, the surroundings and the supporting characters work well. I just, yeah, like I said, I just, I didn't go, you know, full bore for the central performance from Martin Freeman. And that's about so it. I did. In fact, yeah, I think I did, to be honest. And again, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to, yeah, for I, think me, I think I've liked this, the, I can tell I probably like this the most out of the three of us. But um, yeah, for me, I would quite happily, quite happily watch it again. Paul, in, uh, our, um, in our non-existent, completely unofficial ranking of Netflix original films, where does this sit for you, do you think, if you had to... Number three. Below Okja. And Annihilation. And Annihilation, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's turning into like a strong sort of... Uh, no, maybe number... No, 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 maybe number four. Okja and Annihilation. Mudbound would probably come above this. Mudbound was really good. Yeah. And Beast of No Nation. So number five. Mudbound and Beast of No Nation. I, I would put this also this. below uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Um, oh, and that. It's struggling to qualify for the Europa League at this point, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's it's a good film and it's worth checking out. And yeah, yes. well, you, we've said what we had to say. I think yeah, it, it's it's simple as clicking on your your Netflix screen, so like you don't really have any excuse to not see this if you've got that service. Um, before we get out of here for this week, you guys, have you got anything in particular that you want to recommend or get all jazzed about for our uh, end credits section? Uh, we're going on holiday next week, Pete. Yeah, we are. Actually, yeah, we I, are. I, I've, got something, I've got something related directly <laughs> with that. Um, so I want to I pay credit. I want to pay credit to your commitment to coming up with recommendations and putting them in the WhatsApp group for the Barcelona trip. Because today I was doing, I had a very dry day at work, shall we say, and it got me through. I've listened to about three of them, I'll be honest. But I like I like the passion you've you've thrown at this. It's good. So I'm going to pay credit to you, Pete, it, for your effort in the, trying to sort out the lineup for Barcelona. It's the the fruits that that are born out of my my sort of very borderline madness, where I just <laughs> at, at like two thirty a.m. I'm like. I might research every band that's playing at an entire four-day festival now um, yeah. and then throw that all into the group. But yeah, talking of that, Paul, um, my sort of um, credit for this week goes to an Australian singer-songwriter, female singer-songwriter called Tasha. Um, check her out. She's got a new single. She's only put out one EP. She's got a new single. It's called Before, and it's just like a beautiful piece of incredibly well-produced pop, kind of pop, uh, indie pop music I suppose and of all the stuff I've been listening to it really stands out as like I don't know just something that makes me feel good when the sun's out it's a breakup song but it's a breakup song that's sort of weirdly uplifting um, so check that out you can watch it on YouTube and stuff that's my little recommendation Jack anything from you? Uh, not this week I don't think um, I can't think of anything so thank well, you well I've got I've got work in seven minutes so uh, I guess I guess we should wrap this thing up guys it's been a pleasure I think we did a good countdown uh, check out all of those movies when they come out and the most important thing about that countdown is that your faithful reviewers here at Strange in the Cinema will review each and every one of them as long as we get access to them over the coming months so uh, look out for those episodes too yeah and in the meantime if you want to find us off, off air you can find us on at Strangers Cinema on Twitter Strangers Cinema on Instagram and Facebook so hook us up and uh, oh, we'll be back. 
Paul, I can tell you on the air, uh, I lost us a follower and I'm not even sorry because I had to go at someone for being sexist and then got blocked. But that's fine because you guys, if you come in at Strangers in a Cinema with your sexism, then we don't want you. But all the rest of you... I missed people, this on the Instagram page. I, I know I'm going to go off air straight away and find this comment now. I'm intrigued. Will it still be there or will it, or will it have disappeared? I don't, I you, don't can, know. you can see my graph of Instagram is great, but yeah. yeah I'm try I don't know. It. But um, we have to disappear for now, uh, but we will be back. Probably, Paul uh, and Jack, we'll probably be back a little bit earlier for the next episode because, I don't know if we've mentioned, but uh, Paul and I are actually going on a little bit of a holiday, so uh, can't do it Can't do it this time next week. So, yeah, maybe around Sunday, Monday, we'll put out the next episode. Yeah, we're that uh, was, solo. That's yeah, right, we'll yeah, solo, solo yeah. Uh, Star Wars movie will be reviewed then. Uh, until the next time, uh, take it easy. Peace. Goodbye. Shut up and sit down.